This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hockey News Podcast. It's Matt Larkin here with Ken Campbell. We're brought to you by Christian Hockey, our sponsor. And we are sans Ryan Kennedy, who is... Or without Ryan Kennedy. Yes, for, for non-French speakers <laughs> out there. Okay, but I mean, there's a good chance a lot of our podcast yeah, listeners, so. they might I know some say, Francais. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Kennedy is in the Czech Republic. He is, in fact, in the Czech Republic. Uh, last I talked to him, he was in Prague having a lunch of goose leg and dumplings. Huh. So there, yeah. That sounds very right. Yeah, he's going a, little, going a little off the board with that one. It's I his like Czech it. version like of Popeyes. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds right on brand. Uh, so you're stuck with just me and Ken this week, and we have a lot to talk about, a lot going on oh, in the yeah. hockey world. Uh, we're going to start, of course, with the World Juniors. Canada pulling the classic comeback over Russia. And... Alexis Lafreniere, MVP of the tournament. Barrett Hayton had a great tournament, of course, as well. Big goal, overcoming the pain in his shoulder. Uh, but I want to talk about just maybe breakout is the the right term to use for this. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to ask you, Kenny, who who do you think raised the stock the most? And, and this could be a, a player who's going to be drafted in 2020. It could be a player who's already drafted and has improved his standing within his organization. Mm-hmm. Give me a name of someone that really stood out to you. Well, I'm going to give you a couple of both Ooh. just for kicks. First of all, I think I think Rasmus Sandin was a guy uh, that, I mean, he's already, you know, tr- probably the Toronto Maple Leafs' best prospect. Um, but 10 points in seven games. Uh, was the best defenseman in the tournament, all-star team, uh, one of the best players overall in the tournament. He'll come back. He'll he'll go to uh, he'll go to the Toronto Marlies. He's played six games this year. Uh, now Jake Muzzin's out with a broken foot, so I would think that the call up for him is going to be sooner rather than later, based on what he did at the World Juniors. Um, so there's one guy. In terms of draft eligible guys, I think you know you look at a guy like Jamie Drysdale for for Canada, one of three draft eligible guys on the Canadian team um, played 20 minutes in the semifinal looked really really good I think going in he was probably the top defenseman in the draft but I think he surpassed a couple of guys now and you may be looking at a top four top five pick scenario for this guy now maybe ahead of a guy like you know Cole Perfetti or he may have gone past a couple of guys in that respect and I think there's a, a, a there were a few guys, some 19 year olds who hadn't been drafted last year. Uh, Yegor Sokolov for uh, the uh, for for the Russians, Christian Tanis and uh, Jonas Odin for Finland, who are all 19 year old guys who had very very good tournaments. Who I, I, I think you know I mean based on what they were doing this year, we're probably going to get drafted anyways. But I think they probably bumped themselves up a little bit as well. All right, good picks, Kenny. Uh, my pick is it's going to anger Stephen. Okay. Steven, our producer, he he was uncertain about my pick because he thinks this guy broke out last year, and he did. But I'm going to make a case again for Alexander Romanov. Oh, yeah. And here's my case, okay? So two years ago, Montreal picks him 38th overall in the draft. It's considered a solid pick at the time, uh, but not not a steal in the moment. Last year, he's the best defenseman. Second round. Second wow. round pick. Best defenseman at the World Juniors last year. Obviously breaks out in our in our Future Watch magazine, which is put together with the help of a, of a panel of active NHL scouts, scouts, executives, GMs. He's the 45th overall prospect. But I believe this year, after another great performance, All-Star showed really good leadership as he well. He was outstanding. Could, 
in showed my a really well-rounded game could even mix it up get a little physical I think now he has emerged as not just you know a top 45 prospect in the game among drafted players I think this is a top 10 prospect in the game yeah I think if you redrafted yep. 2018 he's a top 10 pick maybe not ahead of you know Brady Kachuk or Quinn Hughes but I think he could be a top 10 pick if you redrafted today and I think that's very excited for Mon- exciting for Montreal because this is a team that sort of needed a do-over on a defenseman after the Sergachev trade uh, not that Drew- Jonathan Duran's been a disaster but I think that structurally you know I think if Habs fans had their pick they would want Sergachev back they right. wanted they want to especially the way he's playing lately yes exactly yeah, so, he's been really good lately but now even though yeah. Romanov I know he's, he's much smaller than Sergachev but just in terms of a do-it-all defenseman yep. he could eventually succeed Shea Weber as the team's number one maybe even a future captain I think that Romanov has emerged now as a top tier guy that's yep. extremely exciting for this franchise and you know you have this balance of power that's really top heavy in the Atlantic Division right now with Boston and now Tampa and Toronto getting hot but I think for all three of those teams they they want to make sure that they do their damage in the next few years because Montreal is really starting to build a nice nest of prospects. And mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. in maybe three, four years, they might be in the power position and, and suddenly a dominant team with guys yeah. like, obviously Suzuki's made the team and Caden Primo and Cole Caulfield. I think if you're a Habs fan, you have a lot of reason to be very excited about the future. And Romanov taking a big step forward is just all the more reason to be excited. Yeah, I mean, I kept I kept hearing that guy's name. Every time Russia was playing, all I kept hearing was his name. And it was for good reasons, you know? Mm-hmm. Like he was, I thought he was, I thought he was a, he had a terrific tournament. Maybe, you know, I mean, maybe not, I mean, how do you live up to what he did last year, right? But he was he was very, very good. And I think the leadership element is what intrigues me the most about him because yeah. just historically, you know, you have Alex Ovechkin wearing a C, but uh, whether it's a bias against Russians or not, but there just have not been many Russian captains in the NHL. And I think that Romanov is a guy that has a makeup that he could be one of the next ones down mm-hmm. the road. Yep. You know, maybe yep. it's in Absolutely. five years, ten yep. years, but we'll see. Uh, sticking with the World Juniors, the head of the IAHF, <laughs> Rene Fassell, says in the post-tournament presser uh, that he wants an Olympic decision from the NHL by the end of August 2020. And the, the games would be in 2022. Um, do we think this is a, this is a bluff from yes. Rene Fassell? I absolutely do. But absolutely. What do you think? Without question. Mm-hmm. Without question. I think it's a complete bluff. I think that that the IIHF would take the NHL anytime the NHL wants to come back. I think October 2021, they say, oh, thank God. Yes, thank you. Yeah, we'll, oh, take, yeah, sure, oh, sure. Thank we'll you make so it work. Much. Make it work. We'll yeah. make it work. Um, I I think it's really um, unwise, really unwise, to give Gary Bettman ultimatums. I, I think it's it's you don't cross Gary Bettman, you don't give Gary Bettman ultimatums, and you don't, you don't win against him. Yeah, and ever. you don't win. You don't win ever. Um, and and I I think this was a tactical error. I think this was a real mistake um, coming out and saying this, um, particularly when I think it's 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 really not based in in much i mean the ihf has virtually no leverage here right um so to me um i i just thought it was it was it wasn't and it wasn't really a threat like it wasn't couched that way but um i i just think they're gonna they're gonna be waiting way past august of this year way past august of this year and chances are quite frankly that that there will there won't be NHL participation in Beijing. There's been nothing that anyone said at the NHL level to this point that leads me to believe that there's 
any appetite to go to the to, to go to the Olympics in 2022. If you're clinging to any hope, you could say, well, there's labor peace till at least 2022. So maybe there's more time maybe. now for the yeah. league to discuss it. But then again, there's nothing if there's nothing being bargained, the players can't try and bargain exactly. that in. Exactly. And yeah. I think there's a hole in some of Fasel's logic because one thing he said was, you know, if the NHL's out, they want to know earlier so they have more time for the teams to spend more time building their alternative rosters with hopes of putting a better product on the ice. But that also implies that the number one priority of the IIHF is putting the best possible product on the ice. And that takes away the leverage because if the NHL says in November 2021, okay, never mind, we're in, then that's putting the best possible right, product on the right, ice. Right. And the IIHF would have to jump at that, I think. Like, it, maybe even in December, who knows? If you have any chance for the NHL to play, no matter how late it, it is. It won't go that late. It yeah, won't go that I, way. The, the, the NHL, I mean, they're pretty cognizant of of what has to be organized and everything and, and what they have to do. I, I'm like I'm basically going on the assumption that they're not going to be there. I am I, I'm, too. I'm, I'm, I've been broken. I, I, I'm I going don't, on that, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. I, I remember being told this uh, by a source a couple of years ago. You know, what's what percentage of the players – are interested in Olympic participation? And the answer was 100. Yep. And I still think that's true because not just the players representing their country, but the guys who get breaks in the middle of the season, they love it. Go sell for your family, heal your injuries. But it doesn't change the fact that the owners have nothing to gain and so much to lose from this tournament, especially when it's held in the middle of the season. They're going to always mm-hmm. point to the John Tavares injury in yeah. 2014, uh, out for the season when he blew out his knee. Uh, so I wish... I wish the NHL would look at the big picture and, and as Vassell says, yeah. you know, the opportunity to grow the game, but you can't really measure that in a tangible way financially. And that's why I disagree with you when you say they have nothing to gain. I think they have tremendous amounts to gain. I, 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 I just don't think they've ever leveraged their participation for anything. Sorry, they've I gone say, in, they I put think on a, they think they have nothing they to think gain. They think they have, yes. yes. I, don't, I, gone, I believe yeah, they do. Yeah, but yes. They've gone in, they've put on a wonderful spectacle a couple of times, and then they just pick up and leave, and they don't, they don't do anything. They don't set up an NHL Europe office. They don't, you know, they don't leverage it in any way, shape, or form. And I think the NHL has an enormous amount to gain by staying in the Olympics. I think it's a huge mistake for them not to be in the Olympics, and I think it's I think it's ridiculous it's their league they can do what they want but don't come back to me and tell me that a world cash grab of hockey is is building you know you know is is building the game globally when it's, you're it's not going short to the Olympics. Term. it's, it's not building it. their wallets in yeah. the short term yeah. it's like they're not yeah. they're not looking at the big picture which the crazy part of it to me is you're trying to grow the game specifically in China. The Olympics are in China. Yeah, like yeah, it's flashing yeah. in front of you in a neon sign it's it's what right there it's like, right there come on but maybe you know Maybe that logic will prevail because, again, we still have time for this to be worked out. Maybe the NHL will decide that it is worth it to go. Uh, I'm not optimistic. but I'm not either. But we'll see. Yeah. Uh, we're roughly at the midway point of the NHL season for most teams right now. Uh, we're Later in the week, we're going to have a full staff list of our midseason award picks. But let, let's talk MVP right now. And Kenny, who's your pick if the season ends right now for the Hart Trophy MVP? Well, I've been I've been beating the drum all year, and I'm going to continue. And and it's for me, it's Jack Eichel of the Buffalo Sabers. I know his team isn't in the playoffs right now; they're four points out as we sit today. Um, so they they may very well end up on the outside looking in. Pr- probably will actually. But to me, um, there's just nobody who's done more with less than than him. Um, you know, as I've said. You know, recently, you know, 
Dreisaitl and, and, and McDavid have each other. Pasternak and Bergeron have each other. Um, you know, and, and I know that, well, spoiler alert, you know, Nathan McKinnon has a pretty good team around him. He's got some, he's got some very good help as well. Um, I think Eichel's done it pretty well on his own. Um, you know, 23 points on goals that put them ahead. That's second in the league to Pasternak and Marchand, who are getting points on each other's goals when that happens. 13 points have put, uh, to, put, to put his team ahead in a game for good. That's second in the league. 10 points on, ge- on goals that have tied. I think that's second in the league. He's got four overtime points. I think there's only one player that has more, more overtime points than, than Jack Eichel does. For me, it just, to me, it's just, um, I mean, this guy has taken a step this year that has been um, otherworldly. He's playing very well on both sides of the puck. And for me, it's it's still him just because um, I just don't think he has the help that a lot of the other guys have. Mm-hmm. And, and people forget that, you know, when Eichel was in his draft year with McDavid, people were talking about McDavid as generational talent and the next year Austin Matthews. But Eichel was almost in that same discussion. He was, he was yeah. on the fringe of that discussion. Yeah. Yeah. And he's finally sort of playing to that potential, which is very exciting. If he does win the Hart Trophy on a non-playoff team, he'd be the first guy in three-plus decades. Mario Lemieux, right. the last one to do it on yeah. a team that missed the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, my pick is, as Ken hinted, uh, it's Nathan McKinnon. And right now, so of course, Nathan McKinnon has his partners of crime, Gabriel Landeskog and Miko Ranton, and they have each played 26 of 42 games. They've right. played 62% of Colorado's games. And Nathan McKinnon has double the points of the second highest score on the Avalanche. He has 64 points. Second on the team in scoring is Kale McCarr. Uh, and so to me, McKinnon does have that supporting cast, but that stretch in which he was so dominant without them, that could yep. that could prove a tiebreaker sure. later in the season yep. for voters and what's going to be really close race. And what's really fascinating is, you know, for a while it was, well, what about McDavid? He's so dominant. But now uh, McKinnon's just one point behind McDavid. Connor McDavid, pretty quietly, 21 points in his last 20 games, which is decidedly mortal by McDavid's standards. Right, right. And so now you can't even pick McDavid on the, well, he's just better right now, uh, argument, right? Like he he has Dreisaitl, which hurts him, I think. They can sort of split each other's vote uh, when, when we're talking MVP, not best player. But even if you wanted to make the argument, well, it doesn't matter. He's the best. Well, if McKinnon, what if McKinnon wins the scoring race too? Right. Then right. from every angle, he's right. the best player in right. the league this year right, right, right. now. Yep. Uh, so, so Nathan McKinnon is my guy. But I, I do think this is going to be one of the most exciting and closest MVP races in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's anywhere close to decided. Of course, we're only halfway. Uh, another award to discuss right now uh, is the Jack Adams. And we're going to start here with Sheldon Keefe. Uh, since he took over for Mike Babcock, Leafs, Leafs were 9-10-4. They are since 15-4-1, right. best record in the NHL. Right. So I'm wondering, Ken, because we know the sample size, and you told me this earlier uh, today, right, that 59 games is, is the, the total that Keefe can coach. Right. right. Uh, so do you think, based on that projected sample size, is he the front runner? For the Jack Adams, or is it not going to be a big enough sample he, to win it? He's an a he's a front runner, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, as we said, he he coached fifty nine games this year, or he will have coached fifty nine games when the year is over. Um, and the the fewest games for a Jack Adams winner is Bruce Boudreau in 61 games. Mm-hmm. So they're in the same wheelhouse. Um, you know, Ken Hitchcock coached sixty nine games in eleven twelve with St. Louis and won it. Those are the only two guys that have that didn't coach a whole season and ended up winning the award. So the, the precedent is there. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, Keith has to be considered a front runner. But, I mean, if you're going to say that, then you've also got to say that Jeff, Ward, Jeff Ward's a front runner as well. 11-5-1 um, uh, in Calgary since taking over for Bill Peters, even though they didn't give him, 
He's actually 10-5-1 officially. They didn't give him the first game for some stupid reason. Um, but that was his game, and he won. So, um, you know, there, there's two guys I think that if you're going to say Sheldon Keefe is a, is a front runner, then I think Jeff Ward has to be in the conversation. But, I, I mean, I also got to look at, like, like Craig Berube, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, a guy who came in last year, ironically, you know, midway through the season, um, you know, and, and really had a much smaller sample size and couldn't have won it. But this year, you know, that team has not missed a beat. Mm-hmm. They've been one of the best teams in the NHL from the start of the season through to now. Um, so for me, I mean, that guy's got to be considered too. But, yeah, but he's, I, he's the coach of the calendar year, too. That's oh, yeah. Team. Coach, of, by a, by coach a of 2020. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, he had one of the best calendar years by a coach ever. Yeah, yeah, right. probably. See, to me, I, I do have Keith uh, by a hair as the mm-hmm. front runner right now. You know, from a tangible standpoint, literally best record in the league since he took over. But right. I, I think it's not just a case of a coach takes over and the team plays better. To me, Keefe's changes have been so visible and so deliberate and tangible. He's really changed the way the personnel is deployed right from the start. You know, putting Tyson Berry with Morgan Riley, demoting Cody Ceci, putting Berry and Nylander on the top power play, mm-hmm. changing the way he plays the goalies on back, back-to-backs. He's just, his fingerprints are so direct on this team. People say he's coaching for the Twitter likes. And it, it, it does come across that way in the sense that just he's doing all the things that people used to scream at Mike Babcock, why don't you do X or Y? And he's doing exactly those things, and you're seeing the results so tangibly. So I think he's going to be tough to beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do mm-hmm. think Rick Tockett's going to get consideration. Yeah, I think Tockett might be the best players coach in the league. It just seems like anything that we hear or just you hear said about him, players seem to just love yep. playing with him, and they really identify with him just being a former player. Um, I also think a guy who might get overlooked, and I don't think should be overlooked, is Gerard Gallant. He won it two years ago. Vegas is playing great hockey. And the Golden Knights are a team that they bled personnel in the offseason. They added no major pieces, really. They lost, you know, Pierre Edward Bellamar and Colin Miller, guys like that, Eric Halla. And Gallant still has them playing that just aggressive forechecking mm-hmm. style. Mm-hmm. And they, they're a team without a, arguably a true superstar, although Mark Stone, he's inching toward that status. Pacioretty having a great comeback year. But I still look at coaching as a big reason for that team's success. They're one of the teams, to me, that plays a very uh, identifiable system. And it, it's it's worked for th- all three years of their existence. But to me, when a team doesn't change or even loses bodies and they're still succeeding, I always look look to coaching. It's like, well, what's causing them to succeed? If they right. haven't right. added guys that can help right. on the ice, right. I, I give the credit to the coach. So I think Gerard Gallant deserve some consideration yeah I, yeah I think so much of this is based on expectation right and mm-hmm. I think I think once he won it and once he did what he did in the first year the expectation was was elevated and so maybe that hurts him a bit mm-hmm. um, and I think there is a sort of a sort of a well he hasn't won it yet kind of attitude about it so I, I'm not sure that 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 he'll win it based on that but yeah I mean he's done you know he's done as you say with a team that was that was in in some ways got it right mm-hmm. and 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 uh, you know I mean I, I I I still like to to try to to give it to a guy though who's you know I mean whose team is just really always good you know what I mean like I mean like 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 I said like um, who was I talking about uh, Craig Berube Craig mm-hmm. Berube right um, a guy who um, you know I I think. If you're going to talk about this being like a, um, you know, it's his turn kind of thing, um, you know, he didn't have the opportunity last year uh, because the sample size was so small, and now he is doing it this year, and he is proving 
that 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 this team that that he's a big part of this team's mm-hmm. success. Yeah, I think you're right, and and it is interesting historically that just this coach of really good team doesn't often win the Jack yeah. Adams. Yeah, and it's almost like the award needs to be redefined to what it really is, which is coach coach of the most improved team. It's like the medals I used to always win when I played house league. It was like most improved, which meant like <laughs> you are the worst player on the team, and now you're only the third worst. You have improved. Congratulations! <laughs> I got a lot of those those so medals in my room in my parents' house. And that's sort of the logic of the Jack Adams. And I think that's also why you yeah. see a lot there. There's the Jack Adams curse where right. a guy coaches a team that was bad and become really good, but maybe it's an artificial blip where they had good analy- or, or, or lucky analytics for a year and then they regress. And that's why you see guys like Paul McClain, you know, that and Bob Hartley that win the yeah, Jack yeah, Adams yeah. and they get cursed. Um, but I if mean, if you look, but even if you look at Mike Sullivan this year, right, in Pittsburgh, He's been without Sidney Crosby for a lot of the year. They've been ravaged by injuries. Their goaltending's been sort of all over the place. But he's still got this team right in the thick of things. And this was a team that, as a lot of people have pointed out, some of us around here thought might not make the playoffs this year. Yes, and I'm going to hear it from Penguins fans. Although <laughs> Penguins fans should be, they should like me because every time I, I say Pittsburgh is going to miss the playoffs, they win the Stanley Cup. So, you know, right. like in 2016, I thought they were going to miss when Malkin was hurt. And re- that reminds me, speaking of Malkin, when we were talking about Hart Trophy candidates, I yeah. did forget to say my dark horse pick is of Jenny Malkin. Since Sidney Crosby went down, Malkin has 33 points in 23 games. And he's doing that thing when he's the man. It's like he... He just plays to the level he needs to play at. Right, And we saw it especially most famously in 2011-12 when he won the heart and won the scoring title uh, and had 50 goals and was just unstoppable. And he's sort of flashing, you know, he's obviously into his mid-30s almost now, but he's flashing the mid-30s version of that super Malkin. Mm -hmm. And if he keeps that up, you never know. Maybe he's a dark horse heart candidate as well. Uh, All-Star Game is coming later this month in St. Louis. And uh, we're going to have to throw shade on my bloodline here, okay? The Larkin family. Uh, <laughs> my maybe distant, distant, distant cousin, Dylan Larkin. Whose father some, was born in Scarborough. Born in Scarborough, yes. Uh, and he had some interesting comments uh, about the last man in vote, right, to the All-Star game. He said, uh, please don't vote. I like the days off more. So... Is that a case of someone just being honest and should we celebrate that, that a player is saying how he really feels? Or do you think this is a case of a guy who's you know still a pretty young player not appreciating his lot in life right now? I think it's a case of a 23-year-old kid saying something really stupid. Mm-hmm. That's all I think it is. And I think Dylan Larkin sat there after that and said, oh, man, I, I'd really like to have that, that 30 seconds back. You know, I, I think that's all it is. It's like a pitcher when a pitcher leaves one right over the middle. As soon as yeah, yeah, the ball, he's yeah, like, oh, yeah, no, no. That's getting jacked out of the park. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think that's I, – I, I don't see anything super nefarious about all of this. I know he's gotten ripped by, you know, some of the people in the NHL establishment. And it is an honor to go to the All-Star game, and you should see it as such. But, I mean, I think there's a couple of distinctions to make here. First of all, he didn't say he's not going. He didn't say he wouldn't go because he would. You know, I mean, I, I, you know a little bit about Dylan Larkin. I know a little bit about Dylan Larkin. I've, I've talked to him a number of times. I've done stories on him. This kid loves playing hockey. This kid loves the game. He breathes it. He eats it. He's dedicated to it. If he were to play, if he were to go to the All Star Game, he would go and he would represent the Detroit Red Wings with a lot of pride. He wouldn't turn it down. He's just saying, you know, I'd rather have the days off. But to me, this is part of a bigger issue. Number one, that the NHL All-Star Game is a joke. It is. Um, like, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm 
a bit hesitant to ask you this because you're a walking dictionary sometimes, but do you remember who won last year? Who was the MVP of the All-Star game last year? I barely remember where it even was. It, it was in San Jose last it was year, in San right? San Jose. Yeah. And, uh, oh, wasn't it Crosby? Was Crosby MVP? I don't know. Something? I don't know. I remember Crosby doing a press conference. It's one conference. of those things where we forget. forget about it five minutes Wayne, after I know it's Wayne over. Simmons won a car a couple years ago. Yeah, it's a, it's we yeah. forget about it you five really minutes do. after it happens. The players don't care about it. But what but what gets me here is that this is the players and the owners ever since 2012-13 have been talking about it being, you know, this partnership, this partnership. Well, it's not a partnership and it's clearly not a partnership when when Dylan Larkin comes out and says things like this. And it's clearly not a partnership when, as we talked about a couple of minutes ago, 100% of the players want to play in the Olympics and the league says no. So if I'm, if I'm the players, it's like, yeah, screw you. You know, you don't want us to go to the Olympics? Well, you know what? We're not going to take your All-Star game seriously either. I mean, Ovi's already backed out. Um, there's been a goalie. You have Marc-Andre Fleury's backed out. They're taking the game. They're going to just suck up the game suspension and, and move on. And to me, it's... To me, that there's no partnership here. And I think that's the relevant thing here. And 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 a big part of it is because, you know, the, I, to me, the league is just telling the players, well, you know what? We know you want to go to the Olympics. We know it's a big deal to you, but forget it. We're not doing it. I think it's a, it's a, a fair assessment. And when it comes to Larkin specifically, I, I agree that just based on what we know of him, it, it wasn't it, it wasn't a comment typical of just his sentiment toward the game. No. You, that's why no. it surprised me so much. Yeah. Uh, but I do think there's a lesson to be learned, and I do think it, it's fair to say it came off as unappreciative. Um, it's mm-hmm. tough, right? So, so if you're not familiar with how the All-Star weekend works – it is very busy. The players are very busy. They're just they're they're kind of chauffeured around from place to place. Right, the media day. Right. They have lots of events and you know pro am. They might be doing some video game stuff or fanfare. All this kind of stuff. Their their schedules are very very packed. And then there's the drinking. And then there's the party. <laughs> yeah. So it, it is it is physically. Like while their teammates are at home getting some rest, uh, and then you're you know you're flying in from whatever your city is, and you're as soon as yeah. the game's over, you're flying yeah. back, yeah. and you and you're getting launched almost right back into the season without Absolutely. a break. So yeah. it does it does not only is it not a break, I think it does take something out of the players. Mm-hmm. That's it. I still think it is a privilege, and to me, I almost wonder if there should be a rule where you know you can't uh, you know if unless you're actually injured, you can't decline or sit out in the All Star game. Uh, you know if you're. If, if, without you know, unless you've gone, you've had three trips to the All Star Game, three three All Star Games worth of service, yeah. or if you've been in the league for ten years, or some kind of cutoff. I just think that if you go to the if you're picked for the All Star Game, you go to the All Star Game, and if you don't, there's there's something that has to be done. And and I think what you have to remember too is is in Mark in the tweet from about Mark Andre Fleury not going to the All Star Game, it said I believe in that tweet. The Vegas Golden Knights and Mark Andre Fleury have decided he's not going to the game this year. You know, so if your own teams aren't even on board with this, mm-hmm. like you telling me that the Washington Capitals aren't sitting there going, "Great, Ovi, good job, way way to go," and they're right behind it too, I think too. Oh, so if your own teams, if your own teams aren't even on board with this dog and pony show, there's really something wrong with it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Fair. Okay, it's time for some mailbag questions. The first one is Off the Bar Hockey 1. And Off the Bar Hockey 1 asks, is it just a lucky streak or are the bolts for real? Well, uh, it's funny. I think it was a month ago. Are we? Like, is that a question? Yeah. That's a question, eh? This team won 62 games last year. They were the first team since the 77-78 Habs to have the MVP scoring champion and uh, that's that's on the same team. I might have said yeah. that in the last podcast. You did. Okay, you did. actually yeah. did. You yeah. actually did. Run yeah. reruns already. Yeah. Right. So, 
I bring that up again because it's a testament to just how much talent is on this team. So I don't think it's a surprise that they no. figured it out, not remotely. Um, it's just a question of are they going to peak at the right time? And I think right now what you could be seeing from the Lightning is what we saw from the Washington Capitals in 2017-18. They won the President's Trophies the two years prior, yep. and they were too far ahead. They, they got soft mentally playing so few games that matter down the stretch, whereas now the Lightning are the horse that's coming from behind. Yep. And I think that's scary news for I, Boston, scary news for Toronto. Scary <laughs> yeah, it's for really scary for whoever finishes second or yep. third in that division. That division, once again, and, and like the, the Lightning and Leafs are like the two hottest teams in the league. And of course, <laughs> They might Denver, play each other in the first round. And it's just going to happen again. That top-heavy division is just so vicious in just that top, that, that penthouse tier. Yeah. Uh, so to me, it's like, not only are the Lightning for real, are they back to being a top three uh, cup contender? Oh, I, I, I think they are. Um, a couple of things. I mean, they're winning close games. They've won a couple of 2-1 games. What are they at? Six or seven in a row? Six, Something six, like that, yeah. Yeah, they've won a couple of 2-1 games. They've come from behind in a few games. Um, you know, and, and so now this is, like, I kept waiting. I kept waiting as the beginning of the season went on. And they'd win a couple of games in a row, and I'd go, okay, is this when they're going to do it? And then they'd lose 5 nothing to, to, you know, a terrible team or something, right? And I kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And now this is the team that I thought we were going to see the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and 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 now um, I think, and part of it too was they, they they were always playing catch up in terms of the number of games, right? They were stuck down in that you know three or four rungs below the wild card spot but they had played like four and five games fewer than a lot of the yeah. other teams now they're starting to catch up in those games they're still behind by i think two games yeah, they got two or games three games in hand on like everybody they, well they're nine behind boston they have three games in hand they're a couple behind toronto and they have two or three games in hand mm-hmm. they're still catching up in those games and i think that was part of it too and you know coming back from overseas and getting back acclimated and everything but i think too and and I don't agree with it at all. I don't agree with it one bit. But Vasilevsky said at the beginning of the year at the uh, media tour something about, well, no, a player said to us, you don't want to win the vet, the president's trophy. You don't want to win the president's trophy because it's a curse. No, it's not. No. 25% of the teams that win the president's trophy go on to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. That's a better that's a better showing than any other place where you finish. It's better than 1 in 31. Right, 1 in exactly. 4 odds. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and like John Cooper, I talked to him before the playoffs last year, and he said, well, you know, if you went into the playoffs and you were placing a bet, either the Tampa Bay Lightning or the field, you're going to take the field every time, sure. right? So um, so I, I think that – but I think what they're doing now is they're pacing themselves a little more. They're not worried about setting any records. They're not worried about – they're just worried about playing. And, you know, some guys are really rounding into – Braden Point was hurt, had no training camp, was hurt for the first part of the season – He's come back very strong. Nikita Kucherov got benched a couple of weeks ago. He's been terrific since then. Steven Stamkos is quietly having a really, really good year. And I think another guy that I think may very well be in the Norris Trophy conversation by the end of the year is Victor Hedman. Oh, yes. Like, I think he's really picked it up as well. Yeah, yeah. And the Lightning, to me, they're so terrifying because they have this amazing combination of, you know, guys right in the middle of their primes, like Hedman, Stamkos, Kucherov, Vasilevsky. But so many of their other guys are, are not peaking yet like yeah. Braden, Braden Point probably isn't at his peak yet Mikhail no. Sergachev yep. Anthony Sorelli so like this team theoretically can get better in terms yep. of its Stanley Cup yep. threat yep. level yep. Uh, so uh, I think they're going to be just fine uh, next question uh, this one this one is from Off the Bar Hockey 
as well. But I just really like this question. Uh, I want to talk about it. Okay, so off the bar, the rare double yeah, for the double, questions. The double. Good job, off the so bar, whoever you are. Let this be a lesson. If you ask good questions, you never know your dreams can come true, and you can have two questions in a row. And that would be that would be a lot of yeah, people. Either that, dreams. or maybe I just yeah. didn't see until right now that uh, it was the same question. You can decide for yourself which is the real story. Uh, and this question is: Is Peter Mrazek elite enough to help Carolina through another playoff run? Well. Talk about a loaded question. That's Elite loaded enough. Question. Elite is not the word I would use to describe Peter Mrazek this year. 29 goalies have played 1,000 minutes this season at 5-on-5, five five, and he is 25th out of 29 in the crucial stat goal right. saved above average yeah. per 60 minutes, which is arguably the best overall stat to measure a goalie. Poor Martin Jones, second year in a row, is dead last, by the way, in that category. Uh, but if you're near the Martin Jones zone, which Peter Mrazek is, you're not getting it done. Yeah. Uh, that said, Mrazek was not being talked about as a great goaltender having a great season at this time last year. Yeah. He caught fire after the All-Star break. So there's still time for him to peak. And he's someone who's always teased with his talent. Right back to his days as an Ottawa 67 and playing the World Juniors. Really animated, exciting goalie. Coming up with the Red Wings as well, Grand Rapids. Um I liked him. I always have liked him. I always think the talent has been there, but the consistency has never been there. He has not found it yet. Right. And until he does, you can't trust him to be the guy. That said, I think Carolina, just with the quality of their defense core and their coaching, um, I don't think you need to be an elite goalie to win the Stanley Cup with Carolina. You just need to be good, really nearly, good, yeah. nearly good. You're good, yeah. 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 And the question is, can he be good? For a for a sustained period of time, when it counts at the most for the most, right? There, the um, I might be telling stories out of school here, but the the when Mrazek was in Detroit, the front office had a nickname for him. They called him Peter Erratic, <laughs> <laughs> because that's exactly the way they saw him. And 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 I I, I just don't think Peter Mrazek has done anything to dispel that notion not at all in in any amount of time since he's come to the NHL um that worries me that worries me I I would rather have a guy who's maybe not as good sometimes but is more flatline level because I think when you know what to expect from your goaltending you can play a certain way and you can, but but you if you don't know whether or not your goalie is going to be able to stop the puck that's that's a real like yeah. I really think that there's a lot to be said for when you line up for that opening faceoff and you look back and you see a guy that you know you can rely on. I think that does huge, huge amounts yep. for a team. And I'm not sure that the Carolina Hurricanes, when they line up for the opening faceoff in the playoffs or any other time, can look back and go, yep, we're good. Yeah, you, you, know? you have no idea yeah. what you're getting. And, yeah. and if you look at any 10-game stretch of Mrazek's career, like you could have a 968 save percentage over a 10-game stretch and then like a 789. You, do, you yeah. don't know what you're getting. Yeah. But it's funny. Uh, the predictable over the unpredictable and the guy who has a lower ceiling but a high floor is a great transition to this next question because I think this goalie is the, is the epitome of that type of goaltender, yeah. Jacob Markstrom. He's a guy who he's never amazing, but he's always like, you know, every year he's like 912 save percentage finishes around there. He's pretty reliable. But he's not so good that he's a, a bona fide every year number one goalie. Yeah. Although this year he's starting to flirt with that status, maybe because he's being pushed by Thatcher Demko. And uh, the reason why I'm talking about Jacob Markstrom is our next question from Jeff Putnam. If the Canucks can't sign Markstrom before the trade deadline, what do you think his value would be in a potential trade? It's a complicated question because the Canucks have won seven games in a row. Yep. So right now they're looking at the playoffs. I think if you're anywhere close to the playoffs, you got to keep Markstrom. Absolutely. Um, 
Thatcher Demko is probably the goalie of the future. They have another good prospect in Michael DiPietro as well. But Markstrom has been their best goalie this year. Yep. It's been proven right now that you need two good goalies to succeed in the NHL these days. It's just the nature of the league. The position has changed. It's more physically demanding. So you can't just say, well, Demko is going to be our guy. Okay, bye-bye Markstrom. If your team is in a playoff position, you need to keep Markstrom around even if you're going to risk losing him. Or you just roll next year with the same tandem and maybe it's going to flip gradually and Demko is going to overtake Markstrom by next season. Uh, that said, if the Canucks were to, were to go in a bad slump, and as the trade deadline approaches, you know, yeah. let's say they lose, you know, twelve of their next fifteen games, and they have been inconsistent. Yeah, let's know. say that, but they're not going to because they won't. They just but don't maybe do they that. Will, but they're kind of they just don't do down. that. Like, great. I think this team has exceeded every it, expectation everyone in the hockey world has had for them. Uh, not mine. I said they were going to be. Oh in yeah, the mix you did. Yeah, that's right. So it's reverse did. my yeah. Penguins pick. Okay, mm-hmm. so I gotta I gotta take credit for the good ones as well. Right on. Like, I'm a, I'm I'm yeah. good with that. I'm good. But with that. I think if if that scenario were to play out and suddenly the Canucks were way out of it, um, I think Markstrom. I don't think he's so established that like he's never played a playoff game in his life right, right. in the NHL. Right. I think he's someone he would be someone that you trade for if your starter suffered a season-ending injury. He's a stopgap. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's the guy that you trade to put your team over the top as no. like the no. rental. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, so to me, if the, what's the price for that? Is it like a fourth-round pick or something? I'm not sure. Third-round pick. Uh, I don't think this trade is going to happen. I don't no, either. I don't either. Out. I mean, I, I think I think Vancouver's going to stay in it, and as long as they're in it, you owe it to your fan base. To keep the guy, even if you know he's going, even if, like, even if they knew, and they don't, even if they knew that Jacob Markstrom was going to go on the on the free agent market next year, and it was he was as good as gone, and he told everybody he was leaving, and he wasn't going to stay in. No way. If you have a chance to go somewhere and to do something, you owe it to your fans to 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 keep the guy. And just take your money, take your chances, and then and then lose them in free agency right. next year. And I'm, I'm reminded actually of a quote. Uh, it was from Jim Neal. He told me this last month, and he's sort of like the guy that really started the trend of the goalie, the hybrid tandem. And of course, yeah. like Bishop and Kenobin before that, it was Letton and Niemi. But he said in today's NHL, because of the parity, the standings are so close, every game matters so much, every point matters so much that there's more pressure on goalies than ever than there's ever been in the history of the game. And because of that, it's a more mentally taxing position. And because of that, mm-hmm. you really do need. Two goalies that so can that's handle. what's changed then. That's, that's what's changed. That's one of the things that's, that's changed, changed the most. since the Grand Fury days. That's what's changed since you know Ed Belfort used to play seventy two games. That's what's right. changed. Because like, I was sitting there one yeah. day thinking, what's changed? Like, what's different? The goalies are better. Mm-hmm. They have better equipment. Um, you know, the travel's not an issue as like it was before. What's changed? There, and, there's two. And things. I guess yeah. that's what's I've, changed. I've written about this a lot in our yeah. magazine recently, right? So that one of them is the mental taxation of the, of the parody because in the 80s you know when the league is so is more top heavy it's like you're a grand fair you can take a game off right you know what i mean right and there not, are not no there are best. no easy games there are no, no single league and the one. other thing is uh with and stop me or, or, or i apologize for any listeners if i've if i've mentioned this theory already i forget if i have um but the slashing crackdown changed the game it made it more east west than north south because the johnny gaudreau's of the world can carry the puck they have more freedom to carry the puck which means to track the puck if you're a goalie yeah you're moving a lot more yep. laterally yep. side yep. to side yep. and they're also we're also getting like multi-decade like 30 40 year highs in shots per game across the league so goalies okay. Okay, are the yeah. busiest they've been in like i think since the early 70s mm-hmm. early 70s or early 80s uh, so you're facing more shots every game. You're facing more shot attempts every game. You're moving way more east to west, up and down, and it takes a lot more out of a goalie today than it did even even ten years ago. It's I changed. think too. I think too. A lot of goalies like 
like they face 200 shots before the team even comes out for practice, mm-hmm. you know? So these guys are really busy. And I, I wonder about that. I talked to Mitch Korn about that. And they he's he's a big proponent of keeping the workload down on days off and, and not going out and facing hundreds of shots before mm-hmm. the guys come out, which is interesting. I It was interesting when you said Lettinen yeah. just now. I, I why didn't everybody call? Why didn't people at the time when he was playing call him let him in? And as soon as you said in. that, I knew that's what in. you were gonna say. Yeah, like that, that's a great. That would have been a great nickname. That would have been him. the best since Red he Light Rascal. He actually got really. He got. I think he's a guy that that g- sort of got maligned more than he deserved to be. He yeah, was pretty well, good for a while. And when we did our hundred goalies, I'm pretty sure he was 101. Uh, and I'm and I'm not kidding. I'm pretty sure he ended up 101 on our list. Like when we did all the voting and tabulating and everything. And number so. 98. I, I don't think I've told the story in the podcast before, but <laughs> Ilya Brizgala was like, I think he was like number 98. Mm. As I interviewed him for this. He was so excited. He kept stopping me saying, wait, wait, I need to ask again. I am one of top 100 goaltender? Wait, are you sure? And he was so excited. And like three different times he stopped me. He was like, wait, wait, are you positive that I'm on this list? I was like, yes, you, you made it. He came out of the dressing room once after morning skate in Toronto and looked, turned to the media people outside the dressing room and said, hey, does anybody know where I can get a uh, marble countertop around here? <laughs> and we're all like, what? Like, first of all, we're all... Crappy paid journalists. We're not gonna have a be having mar- marble yeah, counter. marble guy. But but like what? <laughs> yeah, that's but but also like yeah, that's 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 Brazil. Yeah, yeah, that's Brazil. That sounds about yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, we'll do one more question, and this is from Angry Punishment. Angry Punishment <laughs> asks, would you change how power plays work in any way, or just leave them as they are? Uh, that's a fun question. I'm sort of I, I'm one of the people that's of the mind of just hey. If we can find a way to keep spiking scoring, I think it's more fun. I'm pro fun, except for when it comes to lacrosse goals, which I think are very unsafe. That's another. That's a conversation oh, for another day. Oh, you big baby! I know. I want to. I'm. I'm being a boomer, but that's. I think they're very unsafe. Uh, I think. I think some goalie's going to get a major injury, or someone, a defenseman, trying to block it. But anyways, uh, power plays. I love fun, and I say just. Why not? Why not go back to the the days of you know as if, many goals you, as you can get as many goals as you can get. Why not? Well, the, the one the one I've never been able to understand, Matt, and I was hoping we were going to do the work for hockey news question, but anyways, yeah. um, I forgot about. We yeah, do let's that do one. that. Let's do that one. Well, let's no, just we'll do that one next. Let's, uh, we'll do that. Yeah, one yeah, next. yeah, next. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyways, anyways, what I've never ever in my fifty years of playing, refereeing, coaching, and covering this game have been able to understand is why you're allowed to ice the puck when you're killing a penalty. Why? Why? You are penalized. You're being penalized. Mm-hmm. Why are you allowed to break the rules while you're being penalized? I think that that rule should be gone. It should have been gone a million years ago. Either that or there should be a variation on the rule. You can have X number of icings in a period. Okay? So even if you're playing five on five, you ice the puck once, twice, three times. Say after three times, then you're called for icing every time after that. You know what I mean? So if you're killing a penalty, even if you're killing a penalty, you ice the puck... You're called for it. But I've never, ever been able to understand why they allow teams to ice the puck when they're killing a penalty. You're being penalized. I think that most rules like that are are traced back to various dynasties being too too dominant. Right, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's teams were just getting annihilated, whether it was the Oilers. Well, that that was the the, the, the one, yeah, the Canadians of the 50s, yeah. Exactly, those those power Yeah, because they'd score like three goals on a power play. Yeah, that's right, that's right. But that's fun to me, why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah, You might get a guy, you know, with 175 points in a season, why not? Let's get back to that level. I agree. Steven's laughing, but I don't care, okay? I did play in a ball hockey league that 
when you got a goal on a power play, it kept going. The power play kept going, and you'd yeah, see yeah. some guy score a hat trick on the power, same power play. Cool. Nice. That's fun. Yeah. Cool story, I, bro. I like that. Yeah, cool story, cool bro. Cool story, bro. Time was a 21-19 hockey game. That's fun. See? 21-19. Cool. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great. I was one of the goalies. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Amazing. Of course he was. That's why he works here, and that's a good transition. <laughs> yep. Right? So I'm we, glad we're doing this question. Yeah, it's a fun one. So because our answers will be very different. Mm-hmm. Um it's Vishan Joel or Joel. Probably I'm gonna say Joel. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and I'm gonna gamble and say right. it's Joel. Okay. okay. Right. Uh, and Vishan Joel asks, How does one get to work for the hockey news? So Kenny, your history is longer than mine. And <laughs> why don't you just uh, do the honors here? Well I'll tell I'll tell you I'll tell you, Vishan, what I tell every young intern here, every every young journalist that I ever talk to. Number one, the number one rule in sports journalism and hockey journalism is journalism is get receipts. <laughs> Always get receipts for, for your expenses for your on expenses. the road. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cab receipts, you can get like a whole like pad of them sometimes. And I draw. I have notorious for dropping them. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I like to me. I've always told people, you know what? If you come out of school and you want to write for a big publication for a living or you want to do this for a living, it's like what Ken Hitchcock told me a long time ago with coaching. If someone offers you a job, don't ask where it is. Don't ask how much they're paying. Don't Just take the job. Take the job. If it's in Yellowknife or Lethbridge or Lac La Biche, Alberta or Perry Sound, Ontario or Timmins. I started in Timmins, you know? And, and so to me, it's take the job, Start writing. Find your voice. For me, that's the biggest thing: is find your voice, and and then just sort of keep working your way up. It's it takes a lot of work, and I don't even pretend to know what it takes anymore because I I started a hundred years ago, and all the rules have changed now. Like everything's different now. Which is better, but I think, worse, but I think, yeah. I think there's there's some there are some real, you know, truisms that 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 that, that still ring true, and one of them is is work your ass off. Um, and do everything you can, get as many bylines as you can, and get it, make as many contacts as you can. Go to games, and the second is find your voice and find what you're, mm-hmm. find what you are. You know, great advice. And and I do think you know if you're a Malcolm Gladwell fan and you subscribe to the ten thousand hours theory, it really Which does. It, it, yeah, it really does <laughs> ring true. And even if it means you know if you're at a student paper in university and you have a chance to cover the team there, which is what I did, get the reps in. And then if, if you're if you've spent yep. hours and hours and games and games covering just you know, whether it's hockey or even other sports, then by the time you get to the job at the pro level, which I remember thinking this, I was like, okay, this is just the same job that I was doing in school. But it just instead of university hockey players, it's the NHL. But it's yeah. the mechanisms of the job and working for like I was mm-hmm. at the Gazette, which is at the time had the only daily student paper. Did in, you pop your collar all the time there? Uh, there exactly. were many pop calls. I can imagine. I made at, fun Western, of pop calls, at Western, yeah. I was one of the ones who made fun of the pop calls. <laughs> but every day, it was you know it was a daily student paper. You get the reps mm-hmm. in, and you're you're yeah. used to the deadline pressure, all that stuff, just by doing it. And whether it's, even if it's in you know a relatively obscure environment, that's a, there's a bubble right at Western, yeah. like any big university. Uh, but getting those reps in means that by the time you're ascending to a higher level, it's not too scary because you're yeah. so used to it, it almost becomes second nature. Um, and the other thing I would say, Matt, just to just to cap it off, is if you can get a job like this, do it. It's the greatest. It's the greatest job you'll ever find. I've never worked a day in my life. I have never worked a day in my life, and it's amazing. My father worked at Inco in Sudbury, and he carried a lunch pail for thirty-five years, and he went to work every morning, not really liking what he was doing. And I I get to wake up every morning loving what I'm doing. You work at home, 
half the time. That's right. That's yeah, right. That's, that's why he loves yeah, it. Yeah. But it's true. I always say on on its worst day, on the, this job's worst day, it's never not hockey. So we can never take yeah. that for granted. Yeah. The other yeah. piece of advice I would give is I think one of the most common things I've heard over the years from whether it's an intern or, you know, back in the days, the student paper, anything. It's the kid coming in saying, hey, I got a column to write about the Leafs. And like, you know who else has a column to write about the Leafs? 96,000 other people. And if you look at even our web traffic, the stuff that does the best on our website is the stuff that nobody else has. It's a story on a minor hockey team. Yeah, I wrote a story about an eight-year-old kid who got a concussion. Hundreds of thousands of of, of pages for a story like that. And the reason why I bring that up is... Ironically, if you want to cover the NHL, the best route to the NHL is to not cover the NHL. It's to become an authority, yeah. an expert on on a different level of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of starting a, a Leafs blog like a million other people, start an AHL blog, become an authority on the yeah. AHL. And that's how you get noticed. Yeah. You do, you do, yeah. you find a way to offer content that few other people have, and that's sort of your your foot in the door. So that would Did be. Do you want to say something, get? Stephen? You had your on, hand up there for a second. To add on to something both you guys said about just being in the ranks, that's extremely important. Yeah, and to meet the people. The players and stuff and just being in the, as involved as po- involved as possible yeah actually at the games as yeah. opposed to just being at yeah. right. yeah, Steven like Steven yeah so coming from someone who's yeah. at the rink all the time I think Steven sleeps with his eyes open and like hockey footage just like clockwork orange style playing all night well what like were that. we what, yeah. what did he have streaming in the in the meeting this morning like I think it was like Chad against Papua New Guinea or something like the Division Champion World Championships yeah Division 2A World Juniors yeah wow which we call around the office we call that Stephen Porn and those are going to be the last two words of the podcast this week Stephen Porn Stephen Porn I'm going to leave you with that Stephen Porn (laughs) hope you enjoyed this week's podcast we'll be back next week with 100% more Ryan Kennedy